This week on Ultra 64, we played Super Mario 64, and I'm not even going to make a joke. I'm just so happy. Welcome everybody! Oh, if I had a noisemaker right now, this is where I would noise make. Whoa! Clatter, clatter, because it's me, a noisemaker. Yay! I mean, we are uh, the internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each week, we go through and we play a new randomly selected game in the Nintendo 64 library. No, this one was not random. This one was we not chose randomly it. It was a plan. Selected. This one was planned all along. Because we have reached our 64th episode. That just feels like a momentous thing for a show with 64 in its title. Yep. So we had to mark the occasion. So we're playing Super Mario Brothers 64. Uh, my name is Steve Guntley. I am Woody Siskowski, wing cap connoisseur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm giddy to be talking we about. We are over the my, moon with our wing caps. One of my favorite have, games ever. We have flinged Mario over the rainbow <laughs> um, with this delightful game that... Many, many people have very justifiably fond memories for, and we're here do. to shit all over your dreams and tell you why this game is a pile of garbage. Yes, <laughs> I can't wait. First of all, did you know this game was made in the 90s? What? Yeah, yeah. One mark against it, stupid Bill Clinton with his Pizzagate. Is he the one who did that? I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even give a shit about idiots. Anyway, uh, I mean, this is... This is Probably the biggest game on the system. This is the best-selling. This is the first. This is the most influential. This game's a big goddamn deal, and uh, we're going to try and do justice to it. It's, as it's, best a, we it's can an here. important spiritual awakening. It's a milestone game for many people around our age who booted up Super Mario sixty four and mouse were agog. I mean. Just that really weird-ass decision of letting us manipulate Mario's face into nightmarish monstrosities. Yeah, the first thing we get to do with our brand new Nintendo 64 console is to manipulate a man's face until it is mush. They kind of hide this as a, as a gameplay mechanic. You know, Mario's face pops up and says, hello, in a very friendly voice. Yeah. And it says, press start. And I'm sure most people just... Press start and went right in, but if you press A, you get a little cursor Mario hand, which implies that it's Mario's own hand, because it has his glove. Oh, that's true. And so he's essentially manipulating his own face. Maybe it's Luigi doing it to him. Oh, that's why Luigi isn't in the game. Luigi's into some dark shit. Like, he's gotten very goth with his ghost mansions and everything, so I don't know. (laughs) That's a a fetish, right? Like, brother face pinching. Like, you get two brothers, and they manipulate each other's faces in very strange ways. Let me just Google that real quick. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, God! Oh, oh, don't look. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, don't look at that. Anyway. Um, yeah, so we're, we're you know, we felt like this is our 64th episode. This is the 64 iest game that we have. Mm-hmm. It induces a case of Nintendo 60 euphoria. Oh, yes. Ah, ah, ha, 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 ha. Anyway. Uh, I mean, this game means a lot to a lot of people. And uh, that's why I reached out on Twitter and Facebook and... Uh, I wanted to get people's first memories or, like, fondest memories or first impressions of this game from when they were kids, and you guys sent in some well, amazing Well, you didn't have stories. to be a kid. You didn't have and to be Maybe a kid. you're 60 and you listen to this, and it was from when you were 40. Some, and you're, maybe your kids were playing it. That's true. Some people are adults that were writing in. Um, not I'm just going to kick it off. I'm going I'm to... I was not... A, I, was, I was a youngin. We are still not adults. <laughs> still <laughs> technically not. Um, all right, so I'm, let's... Yeah. We'll, we'll go back and forth on these. I'll all right. pass some of these off. So uh, this first one is from John Scrafini. 
Hey Steve, first time, long time. My biggest Super Mario 64 memory was bringing the N64 home and having an all-nighter with my girlfriend, now wife, and my best friend at the time, and playing through the game, learning its secrets, flying off cliffs during the sliding areas, and maybe most importantly, popping in Pilot Wing 64 as a palate cleanser when we needed a break only to find ourselves frustrated with that enough to make <laughs> us go back to Mario since they were the only two games we had to play. Yeah, that's the, a good. Yeah, I guess we'll talk about Pilot Wings again soon. We'll talk yeah. about Pilot Wings eventually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, just it's a sad Pilot Wings sixty four is registered in the sad annals of history it is of the, being the very bad packing game that you could have gotten instead of Mario sixty four. Wasn't it also the very bad packing game packed with Super NES when you can get Mario World? Oh, instead? maybe so. I believe it was both. Oh, yeah. poor Pilot Wings. It, that's the tradition of Pilot Wings. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is from Allison Saigan. Um, I remember renting a copy of Super Mario 64 from Blockbuster and immediately getting scared by Bowser's laugh behind the castle door. Fair, fair. I don't know what it was, but as a kid, I found Super Mario 64 inherently scary and didn't really play a lot of it until the DS port later. Hmm. I, you know, I can, I can relate to that. I can see that. It's a strange premise of Mario sort of enters into this abandoned castle and the only sounds that you hear are these ominous Bowser laughs. And yeah, I mean, you you kind of accept that this is going to be the plot of the game if you've played Mario games before. But if you're coming into this cold, it's like, oh, okay, here's a big empty field. Here's yeah, an empty the game castle. kind of new- plays it like a mystery. Like, you see Peach write you this letter at yeah. the start of the game, come visit the castle. And then Mario shows up, and it's just empty. And it's like, well, what happened to Peach? Yeah, yeah. So. They don't explain. Yeah, and it's, you, you don't think about it, but like playing it from that context, that's a really interesting way to approach it. Uh, this was off of Twitter, at 04Mouse. I was afraid to actually buy this game for a while because I didn't think I could 100% it as a kid. When I actually played it through, uh, I could do it all except the final Bowser throw in the star before I always just cheese them by throwing Bowser a foot away from the bombs. So, yeah, you could do that. You could you could uh, launch Bowser, and if you just get him close enough, if you just inch him into the star, it'll blow up. Also, very strange mentality as a little kid, afraid to buy a game because he's worried he can't hundred percent it. I mean, that's it's, that's, that's really perfectionism cool. at work. Like, I I was my bigger concern when I was a kid was losing interest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, this is from Brian Skinner. My first memory of Mario sixty four was having just gone through a period of time where, due to college poorness, I poor college poorness, mm-hmm. I wasn't following video games that closely. PlayStation don't PlayStation didn't appeal to me. No one I knew even saw a Saturn. Mm. On a whim one weekend, my buddies and I went to rent FIFA at a game rental place for a weekend, and they had a demo for Mario 64 playing. It blew my mind. I didn't know 3D games could look that smooth and big and well-realized. It didn't occur to me that you could do a Mario game in 3D. I knew that I needed to get back on the gaming train from that point on once I had money again. There you go. Yeah. I've heard from a lot of people saying this is the game that got them into gaming. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to hear this is the game that got him back into gaming, which is pretty cool. Uh, Zach Ayers writes, uh, I got the N64 bundled with Mario 64 for my 10th birthday in 1997. So we can extrapolate his age from that. Okay, and we're good. Uh, My older sister, who generally isn't all that into games, and I were both so awed by the game that we were fighting over it and ended up playing it in shifts more or less nonstop for a week. I remember we had a competition to see who would be the first to catch the golden rabbit. Mm-hmm. She won. I have a little side note about the golden rabbit. His name is Mips, <laughs> M-I-P-S. He was named after the game's architecture processor. And Mips was built for an early demo software of the game where, like, uh, Miyamoto and the developers would use it to calibrate his moves. Like, if you can chase this rabbit and catch him, 
then mm-hmm. you know the moves are working all right. And so uh, yeah, it was just a way of fine tuning controls. I also and they ha- liked him well enough they kept him in the game. I also have a fun piece of trivia about Mips. Mips is like the most annoying part of Super Mario 64. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hate chasing that stupid rabbit. <laughs> it's he's really hard to catch. And then yeah. they reused him in uh, Mario Galaxy, which I'm like, this is what you're carrying over the oh, catching of rabbits. It's, That's right. I it's forgot very about annoying. That. This is from Michael Gerber. Mario 64 is one of my favorite games ever because for my eight-year-old self represented a fundamental paradigm shift in what games could be. That's taken from his eight-year-old writing as well. This <laughs> Mario 64 represents a fundamental parallel paradigm shift in what games can be. My first experience with Mario 64 was through my dad renting a Nintendo 64 and Mario 64 from a blockbuster soon after it first came out for me and my two siblings. Everything from the weird controller with a control stick (laughs) to the bright, happy colors to the precise and joyful way Mario ran and jumped around felt so fresh, so new, so emblematic of what games could be from that point forward. I've played three, I'd played 3D games before that, but none was nearly as detailed or as fun-focused as Mario 64. No video game experience has come close to those first couple hours with Mario 64. It was, by definition, a game-changer. Also, it still holds up to this day, which is a testament to how fun and mechanically solid it truly was slash is. I agree. Okay. And I think I love the use of the word joyful in there because yeah. that's the word that keeps popping in my head when I think on this game. It's like yeah, the focus of this is entirely fun. It's like it, it it's a groundbreaking revolutionary game, but it doesn't feel like it's up its own ass trying to be that. It's just yeah. like we're going to make the most fun game possible with this new technology. Yeah, it's know. it's so weird that Mario has endured so much as a character. Um, I mean, it looks like we're going to get into oh, learning some Mario history, huh? Let's learn some Mario this, history. We've yeah, talked we talked about some, some Mario, Mario games. games but they've all been these weird spin-offs. Mario yeah, throws a party. Mario plays tennis. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is just straight up Mario. We're we're going to talk straight Mario right now. <laughs> straight Mario. This a, is a lot straight of, Mario talk with Stephen Woody. Mario Woody-o. Talk Express. Yeah. Toot toot. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people probably know a lot of this stuff, but uh, you know what? It's It never hurts to get it back out there. So Mario was created by Shigeru Miyamoto in 1981. Uh, the character made his debut in the mega smash hit arcade classic Donkey Kong, where he went by the name Jumpman. I don't know why that didn't catch on. It's very direct. Yeah. Uh, the legend goes that the character was named after Mario Sigali, who is an Italian-American business owner who was renting warehouse space to Nintendo of America in New York. So then company president Minoru Arakawa got into a heated argument with Sagale over some back rent. And as an offer of appeasement to tide him over until they could pay him, they offered to name a video game character after him. (laughs) Uh, Sagale was largely ambivalent about the honor. When people would ask him about it later, he would just joke that he was still waiting for the royalty checks. Uh, He retired to Seattle, uh, where he became one of the largest donors to the state Democratic Party. And uh, until his death uh, just last in October at the age of 84. So that's a hell of a legacy to have. Um, So the first game to name the character Mario was uh, Mario Brothers in 1983, which also introduced the Mario's brother Luigi, and it introduced the concept of them being plumbers. And, and very confusingly, remember, this is not the Mario Brothers that we know and love from NES. No. This is that weird minigame pipe thing that you probably remember from Super Mario Brothers 3 and the multiplayer. Tr- I was trying to think of, like, how how do you describe what kind of genre original yeah. Mario Brothers is? Like, it's kind of a puzzle platformer, I guess. It's an arena game. 
It's I, like yeah, okay. uh, a I multiplayer guess. arena where it has the basic Mario mechanics of these enemies that you sort of knock out, but you're trying to take out your opponent yeah. by like kicking the enemies into them or hitting blocks to throw them off balance. It's kind of a cool game in its own way, but it's it, okay. It's uh, it's one of those like I, I think if Super Mario Brothers didn't take off the way it did, we wouldn't be thinking yeah, about this game at all. I think that's true. Uh, but it's it's interesting and it's a fun Smash Brothers level now. So yeah. <laughs> So it was, was all to, worth it. I was trying to pinpoint like just what kind of genre it is. I think the closest I can think of is like it's like a bubble bobble. Yes. You know, in that kind of sense. You're I right. don't know. Whatever uh, genre bubble bobble is. Whatever that bad. is. It's the bubble bobble genre. So uh yeah, I think it's one of those games everyone's played at this point, especially if you had Mario Three. I don't think anyone loves it, loves it, but you've probably played it. Uh Mario had a stint as the villain of Donkey Kong Jr. in nineteen eighty two. Uh, and then he kind of went dark until 1985's Super Mario Brothers, which would change the industry permanently and forever. I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that Super Mario Brothers is the reason we have a video game industry today. I don't think that's a stretch. Well, sure. I mean, it's just, it would have been a different game, yeah. which is, you know, I'm not sure what, but it turned out to be, you know, Super Mario Brothers. And it's fair. It's deserved. It's, that's yeah. still a fun, very fun game to play. It still controls very nicely. It's got a lot of fun platforming secrets. And mm -hmm. it, I mean, it essentially invented what a platformer was and yeah. what mo in most games were platformers for consoles for many years. You think about the weirdly revolutionary thing about Super Mario Bros. was the ability to change your direction in midair, mm -hmm. like when you're jumping. Like it's such an unnatural mechanic, but yeah. it feels perfect. That's true. Like when you go back exactly. and play like Pitfall for the Atari, mm -hmm. um, it's so hard to time your jumps correctly because you just have a set distance you can jump, which is very accurate in terms of real physics, yeah. but is not nearly as fun. Anytime a game tries to make their physics more realistic when it comes to jumping over pits, it's just terrible. Yeah. Uh, but, and Mario had a real sense of inertia too. Like he yeah. felt like you could feel him moving. Like it's just a very intuitive. He doesn't thing. stop right away when you start running. He's got a little slide, He's got a little skid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. So I mean, the the industry, the video game industry, had bottomed out after the Atari crashed really hard in 1983, thanks to ET and Pac Man and a lot of underselling uh, big releases. So the only way Nintendo was able to get this game sold and put it on the market. Uh, they, they had to market and package the Nintendo Entertainment System as a toy, which is why they packed it in with a light gun and with Rob the Robot, uh, and then they sold it in toy store aisles because nobody wanted to touch anything called a video game. So, so odd, like... I mean, because video games are toys. Like, I don't yeah. know. It's just a very odd distinction that they're like, oh, we don't want to touch a video game, but we'll do this toy that plays games on it's, the TV. It's weird how, like, yeah. important Rob the Robot is, too. <laughs> I mean, it's a peripheral that didn't work. I, and, I have uh, never seen a working Rob the Robot. I don't know yeah. what he's supposed to do. I own a Rob the Robot, but just, like, the robot. Mine was broken, was, too, but I, he, he I just love having it. connect to anything. Yeah. Um, I, he's supposed to be picking up, like, tops and moving them around, but I've never seen one that works. Uh, yeah, so Super Mario Brothers came packed with the NES in a shared cartridge with uh, the light gun classic Duck Hunt. Mm -hmm. uh, and that game became kind of a word-of-mouth viral sensation before the internet actually existed. Like, people would go to their friend's house, and they would say, oh, my God, look at this game. And then they would tell their parents about it. So in short order, it became, like, the hottest – the NES became the hottest Christmas item of the 80s. Like, I would say that's, like, the defining toy of the 80s. Um, and people would, yeah, yeah. So it uh, it became just, like, this huge hit. It's still listed as one of the best-selling games of all time, with more than 40 million units sold worldwide. I think that makes it, like, number seven or eight now. But it was number one for a long time. It's very odd to just think of, you know, 
how much history repeats itself. I mean, it's just two years ago, like, the Switch comes out, and it's like, oh, can't find a Switch for your holiday. You know, it's Nintendo's just basically been running on, you know, supply shortages and word of mouth for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, So the the game would, of course, spawn two NES sequels, which are complete classics in their own right. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mario 3... Probably better, arguably better. Oh yeah, no, Mario better. Three is a wonderful, wonderful it's game. It's pretty perfect. And Mario Two is bizarre. It's bizarre. It's, but it's really good fun. in the scope of NES games, but I don't know if it's it's not to the level of classic Mario Three. Oh is. yeah. And then we would get two uh, Super NES sequels, which are both great. Yep. We would get uh, a series of spinoffs, uh, including Mario Kart 1992, Doctor Mario 1990, and appearances in countless racing, sports, and puzzle titles, as well as RPGs, turn-based tactical strategy games, dancing games, educational games. At this point, I think Mario's dabbled in every genre except first-person shooter. Like, would you say that's yeah, right? Yeah, I was trying to genres? think if there's a Mario first-person shooter. No, I imagine that there's a Mar- there's a mini game in a Ma- Mario Party game that's a first-person shooter. There might be. That would not surprise me because I know like Banjo Kazooie actually beat them to that. Like in Banjo Tooie, there's a long like first-person shooter segment yeah. in there, which is weird, but it works. Uh, the character became so popular that he spun off a television series. A 1993 live-action movie, boo. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) An anime franchise, a comic book, and more toys and merchandise than you could ever hope to see in your lifetime. The series has become the best-selling video game franchise of all time, and it's the fifth best-selling media franchise, period. Okay. Uh, Pretty goddamn huge. Yeah. Uh, So... Developers have been playing with the idea of making 3D video games for a while. Yeah. Uh, we but get... we're 64 episodes into this show. Imagine yes. now, before the days of the Nintendo 64, and you know, you're know you busy playing your 2D platformers on your Super Nintendo and breaking in bonk on your TurboGrafx-16. <laughs> Everybody had one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, they've been playing for a while. Like, uh, You have isometric games. Like, I think the first one of those was Congo Bongo, like, in the early 80s. So, like, like it's kind of the simulation of a 3D perspective just by tilting at an angle. But it's still not true 3D. And then in the early 90s, we started playing with, like, 2.5D games. The Saturn was really good with those, like uh, Mm -hmm. Bug or Clockwork Knight or things like that. Uh, Tomba on the PlayStation, things like that. Uh, so it wasn't true 3D, but it was kind of an amalgam of both. But it's more that's more of just sort of a graphical exercise in mm-hmm. terms of like, look, there's things behind it and the screen kind of rotates in an interesting way. Yeah. But you're not actually moving in three dimensions, your character. No, you're just going a little further away sometimes. Yeah. Uh, contrary to popular belief, Super Mario 64 is not the first th- uh, true 3D platformer. That honor actually goes to Alpha Waves which is a minimalist French platformer that came out for PCs in the 19 in 1990 uh, and it's literally just like manipulating a triangle around a bunch of other triangles mm. but you can jump and have platforms uh, and Super Mario 64 was also beaten to the market by Jumping Flash on the PlayStation, which hit in 1995. Uh, some people will say that's the first true 3D platformer. Alpha Waves is kind of more of an experiment, but uh, this was an actual game. And uh, and Crash Bandicoot actually beat Mario as well uh, by like three weeks, but uh, de- debuted the same month and uh, just just edged it out. So you know, you know, I would say Super Mario 64 not the first, but Regardless of who did it first, it was the most popular and the most influential. So this is hands down the best-selling game on the Nintendo 64. 11 million units sold. Bearing in mind that it was a pack-in game. It was a pack-in game, so like, yeah, it 
I think it took a couple of years before they stopped including it in Nintendo 64 consoles. Uh, it's, uh, it was packed with all early consoles and was a system seller for a long time yeah. back. You know, I don't know if that still exists. If there's an idea of like just one game that moves a system. It's, I don't know. Maybe, maybe tough. breath of the wild. I feel, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll buy that. I think that there's so games are so accessible now. And it's like, if you don't have access to one game, you're going to have access to another yeah. like super Mario 64, you know, provided like this groundbreaking, totally unique experience. Absolutely. Whereas it's pretty hard to find a game that does that now that you can't find a pretty similar experience from something else. So it's hard to want to shell out, you know, 400 bucks for the game and system. Yeah. Um, yeah. If that's the only thing that you want to play on it. Exactly. I usually, before I buy any new console, I usually wait till there's at least five games that mm-hmm. I'm really dying to play. Uh, just so I know I'll at least get like my money's worth early on. Yeah. It's like, okay, now's the time to jump in. Uh, so it was one of the launch games, as we said, alongside uh, Pilot Wings 64. They both launched on the same day. I think within another week, we would. I think Wave Race 64 yeah, was the next one, right. or Mar- uh, Mortal Kombat Trilogy. One of those mm-hmm. was within the first five. Uh, and it also became the second highest selling virtual console game when it was released on the Virtual Console in 2007, just behind the original Super Mario Brothers. So another important milestone of this game, uh, this was the first game to feature Charles Martinet as Mario. Uh, so the veteran voice actor, just this last year, he celebrated his 100th time voicing the character. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a pedantic weenie correction here, Uh-oh. Steve. Uh-oh. I believe the first game to feature Charles Martinet as Mario is actually a PC or Mac game called uh, Mario's Game Gallery. Really? And I know this because I own this game. Um, okay. And I, I played it growing up of um you like play backgammon and stuff with mario and that's the premise or go fish and he'll talk to you you like mario do you have any bob arms and he's like no mario does not have any bob arms go fish <laughs> and then you have to draw and i feel like this game came out before mario 64 okay well this is the first game uh that people have played <laughs> that charles martin <laughs> all right oh, wow, yes <laughs> you got me uh so i mean i think i think martinet really helped define the character yeah. in a lot of ways like it it's a silly voice, like it's very high and it's kind of stereotypical, like Italian patois, but it's also very friendly and yeah. very inviting, very enthusiastic. It and matches it the, the color. Tone. It matches the color of the game. And it, yeah, I, I mean, previously when we'd seen him, he's been played by like gruff older men. So on the TV show, he was played by a pro wrestler named Captain Lou Albano. And in the movie, of course, he was played by Bob Hoskins, the gruff British actor who was very drunk during the entire filming of that movie because he had to be. Um, And then we have uh, Princess Peach gets a voice here, too. She's voiced by uh, then Nintendo Power editor Leslie Swan, who also translated all the Japanese text for this game. Now, I have never enjoyed the Princess Peach voice. I am. I mean, it's so brief, though. You only get it for a well, second. It's like, yeah, but I, I don't, I don't mean even specifically in this game. I just mean it set a precedent for what her voice is. Yeah, which yeah. I, I wish she had a different voice design. It's which so, I think it reached its nadir in uh, Super Princess Peach on the DS, which is a special power to cry. Your special her... power is that is that you're a woman and you have emotions. Yeah. It's like, all right, come on. Uh, so, all right, let's let's break down some of the numbers here. Uh, in this game, in Mario Super Mario 64, there are 15 worlds to explore. Ooh. Each world has six stars you can earn through missions, and then one more for collecting 100 coins. There are 15 more secret stars hidden throughout the castle for a total of 120 stars. There are three keys that you use to unlock boss fights with Bowser. Uh, the big new mechanic here is Mario's hats. 
So uh, by finding three large <laughs> that's, buttons, that's kind of a misleading terminology. I the mean, big new, the big new mechanic is that this game is an entire is an entirely okay. third dimension. That's fair, <laughs> but I mean, if we're talking about like things that they add, specifically I like I like to the I Mario like that formula. idea as like an advertisement. <laughs> like, check out Super Mario sixty four featuring hats. Like, <laughs> That Why a- does he look like that, Mommy? Don't worry about it. Look at his hat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you you can uh, find three large buttons hidden throughout the castle, and by hitting those, you're going to activate these little uh, colored blocks, which give you hats. So the red hat is wings, um, and you see that on the cover art for the game. That's kind of the most used one in the mm-hmm. game, too, as well. It lets you fly. You can either do a triple jump to uh, take off, and you can glide kind of a little bit, or you can fire yourself from a cannon and get some serious air. Mm-hmm. And uh, it only goes for about the same length as, like, a superstar would. Um, but and it's, it's, it's I mean, it's an amazing... You know, I'm sure we all have that defining moment of when we saw this game playing for the first time, and mm-hmm. we're like, wow. And I definitely remember, I think it's on the thwomp level, um, where you're sort of gliding around with this owl, and you can you have oh, to drop yeah. yourself into this little platform, um, and that's the memory I have of. Oh my gosh, look how much of this area I can explore and see. And the cap definitely, I think, does that too. You oh, yeah. jump up in the air, and you're like, "Wow, I can fly over this whole level." I mean, Weirdly, like it's not. You know, sometimes you look back on games like this, and they're like, "Oh wow, look, it's it's actually all pretty small." Like how quaint it was to think it, to feel so big. This still feels big. It still feels like impressive like running through these worlds it feels just the right size honestly um for having the variety of levels and to be able to find the stars as quickly as you can once you know where they are yeah because when you go play something like we'll get to it eventually at banjo tui Mm -hmm. it's so easy to get lost and be like oh i got this power i need to go talk to this character but where was this character that i met so long ago in this um you know there's new secrets and areas to explore but you're not going to get overwhelmed no no not at all not at all uh, all right, so the yeah the red hat lets you fly. What else? There's the green, the green hat, hat which that turns, turns you into metal. metal. Yeah, which uh, it helps you sink, and you're also invulnerable to like fire and stuff. Yeah, and then the blue hat, which I think you maybe only use like once in it that turns cave you, level. You can you it turns you invisible, and you can walk through certain like mesh walls. Yes, it's, uh, that one's not terribly useful, but it's also. Like, they don't overuse it. They don't try and force you to use it more often than The level, could. you have to beat a level to unlock all of these switches mm-hmm. um, to make the caps available. And the level to unlock the blue cap is pretty cool. I just, oh, I forget what I kind of, Well, I kind of have a soft spot in these games for the sort of more abstract um, levels of just the platforms that are going around mm-hmm. that don't even have a consistent theme. Like the Bowser levels, where they're just kind of like rotating platforms and stuff because i feel like that's mario sort of boiled down to his essence i think so yes. yeah and it, it feels like just a dungeon that uh, some weird lizard is building for you you know that feels that feels it really right. captures that lizard dungeon feel that we yeah. all that we all want from our media exactly let's uh, uh i'm gonna backtrack and actually say the dates here uh oh, super yeah. mario 64 released september 29th 1996 was later remade for the nintendo ds and neither of us have played that no i know we that, about that. Like, that was kind of a showpiece as like oh look what the ds is capable of and right no it had a couple new features you can play as uh wario and luigi and i think someone else uh yoshi yeah. Oh, he oh, plays yeah, Wario, Yoshi. Luigi, and Yoshi. Yeah. Okay, and, but... uh, and I think they added some levels, and there's there's 150 stars in that game, while there's only 120 in this one. Yeah, I might have to try it. I don't know. I might have to try it. This game is sort of in. I don't know. It's, I'm sure that that's a perfectly fine port, and it's, yeah. I'm not saying this isn't a great game, but it's kind of inextricably linked to the Nintendo 64. Well, yeah. 
I mean, even though calling it Super Mario 64 DS, I'm like, you're you're muddying your message a little bit. Yeah, exactly. To play it on a different system just doesn't feel like quite the same experience. No, no, not quite. And this is a game, you know, we're, you know, we try to stay decently objective on this podcast Mm -hmm. and um, really explore these games for what they feel like to play now and think, oh, maybe this wasn't as fun as we thought of. This game is really tough to shake the nostalgia for. It is. I mean, it just, the memories just come rushing back the moment, like, you boot up. Uh, I mean, when I guess when people talk about this game, the, generally the only negative thing you'll ever hear anybody say about it is that uh, the camera. The yeah. camera doesn't quite keep up with you. And I would like to dismiss that. I would like to say that is nonsense because we have played some games with some really troublesome cameras. Yeah. This is not one of them. This is one of the best cameras of a 3D platformer of this era, easily. I would say it's the best camera on the system if it weren't for uh, Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Which I and think has that Z-lock mechanic that really makes your life easier. I think maybe people have a hard time with the camera because Mario moves so fast and controls so well. I mm. mean, I'm not saying the ca- Yeah, the camera is... It's not flawless by any means, no. but... Um, most of the time, you're not going to get stuck. You can sort of move Mario around, and there's enough ways to adjust the camera yeah. that you'll be able to find it. Um, but yeah, it's so many other games for this system just have a camera that does not work for you. And this game, at worst, the camera is kind of an annoyance. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing you're going to feel the moment you boot up this game is it's, it's remarkable how immediately it feels like Mario. Like, it feels like every Mario game you've ever played, and just, it makes sense immediately. And, you know, again, you have to put yourself back to 1996 when you haven't really seen a lot of games that look like this, and you play it, like, I remember playing it at a Best Buy or something, mm-hmm. like, at a demo kiosk, and I'm just like, oh my god. Like, and it just makes sense immediately. My first memory of playing this game was going over to um, a kid's house um, who I was... And the reason that this is significant is, I don't think I had ever been to this kid's house before, <laughs> Uh, we weren't that good of friends in uh, in elementary school, um, but he had said, oh, I got the Nintendo 64, and I was like, hey, we should hang out more, and I went over to his house, and we played the first few levels, and I don't think I ever went there again, but it was enough to be like, mom, you got to get me a Nintendo 64. It's, it's basically it's the same reason you hang out here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's like, hey, I hear you have some Nintendo 64 games. Can I play? Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, I found an article on uh, Eurogamer that I think did a really good job describing how the design of this game like makes it feel instantly welcoming and instantly intuitive. So one of the things they pointed out is that when this game opens, you know, a lot of games when they open up, they drop you into a level and you have a mission or you have like a training sec- segment yeah. that you have to go through. And this I, one I just do want to go on record. Training sections in games suck. Oh, yeah, they suck. I wish that they would go... Every time you play a first-person shooter now, they're like, use the right stick to look up. Okay, now look at these. Yeah. Now look down, and you're like, I've played these games before. I know how it works. Just because you're integrating this in the story does not make it less boring. Yeah. And so, like, take a page from Mario 64, just start in a nice open area, and let me explore a little bit. Yeah. And then when I'm ready, I will go start shooting at things. I mean, I, I kind of feel like they're a necessary evil, but, like, sometimes, again, we've talked about Red Dead Redemption 2 on this game, game a lot, like, uh, on this podcast a lot. Like, I felt like I was still learning the ropes, like, 20, 30 hours into it. They that game still has giving me tutorials. so many mechanics that you, like, yeah. use once. So many. The yeah, game yeah, is yeah. so bizarre. It's they're like, really strange. Make sure you tie your killed prey to your horse oh, God. and then pre- hold triangle to... That game is just, like, press button to do things that... I don't know. It's... I guess all games are kind of press button to do things, but... 
press button to very, very slowly skin this buffalo for five minutes, yeah, and then carry the buffalo hide and then tie it to your horse and don't kill anything else on your way because you can't fit more than one buffalo I hide. Sin- I sincerely hope that Red Dead Redemption 2 is the final evolution of a direction that games are contemplating going and people are saying, you know what? Let's not go this direction. Yeah, yeah. Let's not fully commit to having realism in every aspect. Let's yeah. go the Mario direction and focus on being colorful and playable and fun and fast. Yeah. Because that's what I want. I want fun from my game. I don't want the high levels of realism no. of my, you know, how big my horse's genitals are. <laughs> I, um, I, I bounced from, like, I finished Red Dead Redemption 2 and then bounced immediately over to Yakuza 0, which is... Like, a similar game in that it has an open world that you explore and there's, like, a gritty, like, undertone to it. But they also do not give a shit about realism. Yeah. Like, you can pause in the middle bit, uh, in the middle of, like, running a hit mission for the Yakuza boss to go to a karaoke bar <laughs> and have these really extravagant music video mini games. It's, it's great. It's a good tonic for that. Yeah, and, and Mario 64, it's just so... It's so intuitive. It's... It, I mean, the Mario games, I think, always work really well because they're simple at their core. Mm-hmm. Mario is not a complicated character. Not at all. It's he's just basically he's just a dude who can run around and jump. And yeah. like he's admittedly very good at those things. Um and the, but the fact that he's a plumber uh has never really been an issue since that first game. So much so that Nintendo's have like dropped that from his canon. Like mm. he's not actually a plumber anymore. Also he has nipples now. I think we all just have to learn to deal with that. But uh yeah. Uh, that that's the thing this game does is like it it drops you off the first place you are is in the courtyard of the castle you're not mm-hmm. even inside the castle you're in this big sunny pleasant green yeah. open space there are like little signs for prompts if princess you want peach to learn. has sent you an invitation there's voice over at the start of this yeah. game princess peach sends you the invitation to come visit because she has a cake for you yeah and then mario shows up in a pipe implying that Mario has control over the world's pipes. Yes, he can just somehow. use them to appear and transport wherever he wants. He's the pipe king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, we, yeah, we get that nice little like cinematic tour of the grounds. We see everything where it is, and then it just lets you play. It lets mm-hmm. you run around. It's like, okay, what happens if I move in this direction and press A? And Mario is always running, and I love that about yeah. him. Like he's not. Uh, you don't have to like press an extra button to make him run. He is that is his speed all the time. Yeah. It's easy to get around. Uh, and there's just such a huge variety of moves that, like, some of them you'll never use, and then some of them you'll just be using constantly or, like, manipulating them to f- find secrets and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, think about the last sort of main canon Mario game starring Mario was Super Mario World at this point. Mm-hmm. And what can, I mean, you can, just Mario's basic moves in that are jump, spin. basic jump and a spin jump and, like, duck, and then if you go to a hill, you could slide down the hill. Yeah, and if you um, get a cape, you can fly. Right, but that's yeah. based on a power-up. Right, right, right. But yeah, um, basic moves. I mean, in, in 64, you get a jump. You get a double jump. You get a triple jump. You gotta do that yep. cool thing where you, like, skid to a stop and then do a backflip. It's, yeah. like, the, one of the like highest crouching jumps. and jumping. You can jump off the walls and bounce back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the most beloved of all jumps, the long jump. Yeah. Where you crouch and then jump and fly forward, and that's that. the most fun way to get around. And it really. feels again, it just feels so instantly intuitive. Uh, you can, I I saw him like I saw Woody doing like a little baby crawl with oh, Mario yeah. that I've never seen before. I'm like, oh my god, look at a little baby crawl. <laughs> uh, you can do like a ground pound by jumping in the air. I mean, there, 
And, uh, oh, you can punch and kick, and you can do, like, a flying lunge to punch something. Which is actually the most common attack you do in this game. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. It's sort of hard to actually jump on enemies in this game. For it's, it's hard to time, like, an exact punch if something's coming at you, like... Uh, the good example is the bully enemies in the lava world. You know, they'll they'll bump in you, and you're supposed to hit them and knock them into lava before they do it to you. But the timing's a little hard to get right with just your fists. So you can do a little jump kick, or you can let them go past you and do a ground pound and knock them in. There's a lot of different ways to approach it. And you have such a wide variety of skill sets just at your fingertips right from the get-go. You don't need to level up. You don't need to search out anything. You just you can instantly do all this stuff. You have everything you need. Um so yeah, you get inside the castle, you get the ominous voiceover that Allison <laughs> referred to, yeah. uh, and you have only one room that's accessible to you right now. Well, there's, well, there's a couple rooms, rooms that are accessible, but you just kind of go in there and you say, hey, what am I supposed to do in here? Mm-hmm. And then you go into one in the corner and there's this picture of these bob on yeah. the wall, and you say, okay, and then just... you jump at it, and then you jump in. Now, I don't remember... Um, how I sort of knew these things at the time, or how I just... That's the hard thing about going back to games like this, is we're so more much better versed in like what goes on in this game and yeah. general video game uh, skills and vocabulary that we don't know. You're just, at the time, I must not have known that you're supposed to jump into the painting, so I'm sure I figured it out, and it was this magical experience of oh, like, yeah. oh my gosh, Mario disappeared into the painting. I mean, and they then, don't tell you, yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, that is an unreplicatable experience at this point. It kind of is. We need it those uh, men in black mind wipes to like wipe out our oh, memory man. of playing this game. So I would abuse play that it. thing. Yeah, I would just be like stealing from people all the time. <laughs> yeah, what are... <laughs> What are these mm. potato chips? And yeah. then you wipe your memory, and you're like, "Potato, these are great." Just that. <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting white. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, so again, you get a look at the really smart game design when you go into the the first world. Your first mission is to make it to the top of this mountain to fight King Babam. Okay, so, all right, I'm with you. So you navigate the world. Now, uh, we what, have were a King, lot... what were King Babam's crime? Like, what kingdom hmm. does King Babam rule over? Just this I general think, field? I think just this one. Uh, this one hill. He's literally a king of a hill. So who are you, Mario, to bring in like your imperialist Western ways hmm. and tell him that he's not ruling his kingdom in the right way? Do you think that's what it is? You think he's like a like an envoy from like the Mushroom Kingdom and they're trying to annex everything that's, that's in what, this painting? That's right. I mean, I mean he's they're in... already taking up residency like in the castle, so it's kind of like Lesotho within South Africa. You know, it's like it's an independent <laughs> nation within another nation. <laughs> So he's, he seems to know who you are. He seems to be expecting you. He's like, welcome, Mario. Now you have to battle me because I'm the king. Okay, okay. Right. Yeah, he, he, so you're supposed to get to the top of this mountain. Uh, at this point, this is where I really think the camera shines because you're going through. The, the camera stays behind you, and it guides you very gently. Like the mountain it, sort of curves around. It you starts go around to the curve, the indicating where you go. And then when you get to a very open space, there's some signs with arrows pointing to where you need to mm-hmm. go so that the camera doesn't do all the work there. Then you wind your way up this mountain, you fight the boss, which also introduces you to the boss fight mechanic uh, that you'll find with Bowser later. You're supposed to get up behind him, grab him with B, throw him on the ground. Uh, You do that a couple times. Uh, Woody did something new I'd never seen before. He threw him off the mountain, and he just immediately jumps back up and says that you're not allowed to do that. It's against the rules. It's against the rules. But I, ne- I didn't know that could happen at all, so that was really exciting. I, I showed you at least three things in this game that yeah. you had not seen before. Oh, yeah. And that was so the, exciting. The, yeah, and that's an amazing thing to say about this game. Of just, this like, was not something I played There's still things casually. to discover. Yeah. yeah, I played the hell out of this game, <laughs> and I was still discovering things. But so, okay, you do that. You you beat King Babam, and then the next mission you do is a race with a uh, 
Koopa Troopa, mm-hmm. where you have to go to the top of the peak. And you know how to get to the top of the peak because you just went up there. So it's not like some... And now it's a question of get there fast. Of get there fast. Yeah. Now, like, it, the game trusts you that you know well enough, you know the way well enough that you can get there fast enough to get there. And it does a similar thing on the um, the ice level, which comes a few levels later, mm-hmm. um, where you slide to the bottom of this hill, and then when you're at the bottom, you see this penguin mom looking for her baby, and then and when you're trying to get the next star, you get the baby on top, and you're like, oh, obviously I have I to bring her to the pebble... It penguin mom yeah so. that poor penguin i know yeah. oh. how many people out there have thrown that little poor baby penguin off a cliff <laughs> like we've all done it just to see if the, we can the penguin wines are brutal this game is a great sounding game wonderful yeah. music wonderful mario voices but those those penguin wines are pretty shrill yeah <laughs> uh i mean i think it's it's just ingenious because it, it just builds on the foundation that they've given you and then they, they just trust you. And they're not cramming it down your throat. They just know it's like, all right, this this is going to make sense to you automatically. Um, and anybody of any age can just pick this up and get it. Um, yeah, I mean, wh- how long did we play? We played to get about 10 star, 11 yeah. stars. We beat first level of Bowser. Yeah, and... yeah. We wanted to get that far at least. And uh, we wanted to unlock the wing cap, yep. uh, which we did. So, so probably we probably played a little, about an hour, maybe a little over. Yeah, and we still got a lot out of that hour. Like we, we sampled how many levels? Six or seven yeah, levels? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We sampled six or seven levels. We fought a boss and uh, we unlocked a special and then we found some new techniques. So the new, the other new technique Woody showed me is that uh, when you're in that ice maze in the snow level, there's a, there's a the slide. There's yeah. a slide. On the, and, and there's, there's a line of coins that goes directly into the wall. And if you just follow that line of coins, you'll just go right through the wall. I never put it together when I was a kid. I, I remember thinking like, that's weird that those coins are at that angle. <laughs> and I never put it together that that's, that that could be what it is. Now, if we were really fast at this game, if we were world-class players in the world of Super Mario 64, we played for an hour. If we mm-hmm. had played for another 40 minutes, yep. we could have gotten all 120 stars. That is the world speed record for this game to get all 120 complete stars in this game you only need 70 to actually beat the game um but if you want to get the complete amount of stars and go visit yoshi on the roof um the world record for that is an hour and 40 minutes which is insane that's crazy and apparently i was reading up on that that record was beaten twice in the same weekend like two people hit that score in the same weekend but one person was eight seconds faster so that's crazy to me. Uh, but yeah, and, and I, I mean, I feel like we're pretty capable players of this game, and I, I, like, I can't fathom that. Uh, so you mentioned Yoshi on the Roof. Yes. I think that's a good way to segue into okay. There were a lot of uh, urban legends that kind of sprung this, up around this game. This game, I think, came out at a time where video game urban legends were at an all-time high. Because oh, um, yeah. it was like this and Pokemon Red and Blue. For oh, some with in you and the, the infinite uh, master ball. I remember. Thing. Well, yeah, that was true. There were yeah, weird glitches. That. You in could that. break your game, but you but could I do definitely it. remember there was a weird thing of like this mysterious truck that people thought mm-hmm. you could push, which would unlock something. There was I don't know. Maybe this was just the weird community I was hanging out in, but there was definitely lots of talks of various nude modding for oh. games. Um, <laughs> Tomb, Raider, Tomb Raider, the Tomb Raider nude mode. Was I believe very somebody was hyping up that Super Mario RPG had a nude mod. What? Which again, for who? I was hanging out with odd people. Um, <laughs> who would want to see any of that? What you want to look at Gino the yeah. marionette man naked? You want to look at Malo the Cloud Prince naked? <laughs> I, well, I, I kind of do now, Steve. Actually, <laughs> wait to see his cloud genitals. Yeah, now I'm gonna. 
gonna have to go look up Super Mario RPG DeviantArt <laughs> Geno slash Malo slash Fick. <laughs> I want to look at that. <laughs> anyway, so there, yeah, this this game peak video game urban legends. A lot of them sprung up around this. I think I'm that willing like to bet there's people out there listening that have tried some of these and been very frustrated. I think it was like a confluence of like not everyone had access to the internet, yeah. but. A lot of people did, so they would, like, be enough to sort of disseminate these rumors, but not enough to, like, disprove them. This was pure, like, schoolyard telephone, you yeah. know? It's like somebody would see something in a Nintendo Power, and then it would get morphed and changed until, like, it's unrecognizable. <laughs> so let's start with this first one. Uh, is Yoshi in the game? Yes. Spoiler yes, alert, Yoshi is Yoshi's in, the game. in the game. You meet him on top of the castle after getting all 120 stars. Uh, the second question with that, is it possible to see Yoshi without getting all the stars? Yes, that is possible. Uh, it takes very skim- skillful jumping and wall kicking. Kind of have to glitch yourself you off have to glitch of the, your way up. the side, the fields. And you can't... It's worth noting, Yoshi himself is pretty lame in this game. You do get to meet him, but mm-hmm. he just gives you a bunch of extra lives and I think a slightly higher triple jump. Yeah. But you've already gotten 120 stars. Your extra lives are not that exciting. That's, that's the other question. The, the, one of the other myths you would hear is that uh, uh, you could ride him, yeah. which is not true. Uh, mm-hmm. Rumors to the contrary persisted. One common myth is if you approached Yoshi with 100 lives, you'd be able to ride him around the courtyard for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's definitely not true. Can't happen. Don't waste your time mm-hmm. trying. All right, here's, here's the big one. Is Luigi Ooh. in this game? Okay, here, so here's the origin of this myth. So in the courtyard behind the castle, you know the one that's full of boos, like eventually like they start floating around and there's a there's a boo level mm-hmm. hidden inside one of them. Uh, there's a star... But you said that it was full of boos. Right? It's full of boos. Yeah, like yeah. Mario's taking a strange turn. It's full of boos, boobs, and boos. Yeah. So uh, yeah, all of those things. Uh, so there's a, there's a fountain in the middle of the courtyard and inside there's a statue with a star on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some players got real close to the inscription on the statue... And uh, the message on there is L is real 2401. Oh. So fans took this to mean that you could unlock Luigi if you, uh, L, yeah. yeah, you could unlock Luigi if you obtained 2,401 gold coins. Okay. There are a little over 2,600 coins in the game total, so it didn't seem impossible. Uh, there are a bunch of different suggestions online for how to unlock this. Uh, some say you need to have 120 stars in three out of four of your save files. Um, <laughs> some say that you need to explore behind lava waterfalls, or uh, you need to go up to the roof of the castle and ground pound a hole into it. Um, some even said that you could unlock uh, playable Wario or playable Princess Peach by doing some of these tricks. Uh, the truth, though, is that Luigi is not in the game at all. Okay, so the, that cryptic message, L is for real 2041, or 2401, is thought to be... Uh, some people were speculating there was a preview for Paper Mario, huh. because the expected release date for that game was February 4th, 2001. It actually wound up coming out on February 5th, 2001 in the States. Okay, but, uh, that's a good guess. But And Luigi is in that game. Okay. Uh, so, But even then, that's kind of a far fetch because it's not clear... What that if L that game would stand was in, for, anyway. Well, it's not clear that the game was even in development at yeah. this point. We wouldn't even hear about it until uh, Space World in 1997. Maybe and they were then, maybe they were committed to doing. They're like, we need another Mario game. We don't know what it is yet. Yeah, but Luigi will be in it, and so we'll put this date there. I mean, even then, it's hard to say. Like, it, even if the game is in development at that point, you're not going to know your release date five years ahead of time, especially well, sure you not can. your U.S. release date. You can just you, you you get to make the release date. I mean, I don't know. That seems like that's something you want to keep like a little fluid until your game is yeah, done. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, so that's that's 
It's possible, but that one's not very likely. So the most likely explanation is it was just an inside joke by the developers. It's lost all meaning. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of what they say. You'd think too. somebody like, would have remember. stepped forward at this time and yeah. never put that in. No but. one ever said. Uh, but no, there is no Luigi in the game. And I'm sorry to all those people out there who wasted hours of their life trying to uh, find it. There are still some YouTube videos that are claiming uh, that you can do it and you just can't do it. Uh Here's another one. Um, I don't know if you've even heard this one before. Ha- can Mario find a secret ninja suit? I feel like I've heard this. Uh, so no one is totally sure where this one got started. But uh, it found some legs after Nintendo Power Editor Dan Osen snarkily responded to a question about its existence by saying, a ninja never reveals his secrets. <laughs> so uh, for some fans, that equated as a confirmation who started <laughs> pestering him even further until he finally just clarified it was just a joke. <laughs> there is no ninja suit in this game to date or in any other Mario games that I know of. Uh, I don't know what the closest thing to a ninja suit would be. Maybe that cat suit in 3D World yep. or something. Allows you to climb the walls. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, those are those are some of the persistent... Or the helicopter hat in uh, Super Mario uh, Brothers Wii. I like to imagine ninjas oh, have yeah, a little yeah, helicopter yeah. hat and they, like, fall in from the sky. I think... Like, Super That's Mario a, Galaxy has some of the best suits in the whole series, but you only use them one time. Like, yeah. there's a boo suit you use once. There's a boot you use once. A oh, spring you use once. I love Super Mario Galaxy. There's so it's much cool so, stuff in so those cool. games, but, like, they underuse their power suits, like, pretty badly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, do you have, like, a uh, best and worst, like, world that um, you play through? I, my favorite world is actually... Uh, the rainbow, the final world, the rainbow ride. Um, that one's so frustrating. It is very frustrating. I have a real fondness for those uh, sort of no mercy frustrating levels where you have to make tricky jumps. Like I like the clock level mm. um, where you just kind of the bottom, you just fall out. Um, I'm not crazy about the cave level um, because it's – I agree. It's kind of creepy. It's creepy. Um, it's, uh, and, it's confusingly laid out. Yeah. Like that's the only level that has a map that mm-hmm. you need to review. Which is kind of like it gives it a different sort of feel. It's more of a maze than yeah. the other levels, but but like yeah, you, you know, you get that uh, that Loch Ness monster thing that you have to ride around on in the lake. But it's not. Again, this is the one area where they were kind of bumping into the, some design. Like I feel like it wasn't as easily understood as the yeah. rest of the game. Like and, I, I wouldn't have guessed that you need to stomp on the back of the Loch Ness monster and then climb on its head. Like and the whole the music of the cave level it's just it feels a lot more downbeat than the rest of the game. It feels like there's lots of like know. poison pits and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. It feels like a bit of a downer. Um, I would say favorite for me. Oh God, probably a big small island or a tiny huge island or whatever it's called, yeah. where you can uh, you go in one painting and you're really small, and the other is really big. I just yep. I like the design. Yeah, it's really level. cool. That was always one of my favorite worlds in Super Mario 3. I remember my mind being blown by the huge Goombas in Mario 3. The clock tower was probably not my favorite. It's probably my least favorite. I mean, the I, clock tower is really tricky. It's very, very tricky. Uh, it for for people who aren't familiar with this little trick, you're you're supposed to the game. the The level is going to be different depending on what time the is me- on the clock. You're, yeah, when you think, step you're in a it. clock, and the mechanics and gears in the clock move at different speeds. Right. So if you stop it like evenly on an hour, everything's going to be frozen. Mm-hmm. But if you stop it at certain times, things are going to be going twice as fast. Or they're yeah. So, but not all star. If you freeze it, then not all stars are accessible. Exactly. Because you yeah. need some platforms to move up and down. And then just the fact that all the floors all mesh, so it's kind of hard to see your silhouette when you're jumping. Uh, so I, I die a lot in that world. Yeah. And also I'm very impatient. Uh, so I, I tend to leap around that one. But again, it's not it's not a bad level. Like it's a really well-designed, really clever level. It's just personally, you know, if, if we're ranking them, sure. you know, I would say a little less than that. 
Um, let's see. So continuing on from here, in 1998, Japanese audiences uh, got an updated release of the game for the 64DD, which is mm. a failed peripheral that we've talked about here before. I think that was on our canceled games episode. Yeah, yeah more, we covered a that a little depth. bit. Um, yeah, go go back and find that Ultra 64 podcast. That's what you're listening to. We're on. <laughs> yeah, hi, hype up the podcast that you're already listening They're to. Already, already almost an hour into. Yeah. Um, yeah, so all that one added was uh, improved graphics, and they would let you add the uh, Rumble Pack to ah. that. Um, and if the 64DD had taken off, we probably would have gotten that here as well. Uh, so And yeah, we talked a little bit about the Nintendo DS port. It added three playable characters, Yoshi, Luigi, and Wario, added several touchscreen minigames, kind of altered the level designs, and added more stars. Um, I'll probably pick that up. Um, now that I'm, now that's like on my mind, <laughs> on my radar, I'll, I'll probably pick that one up. The early it DS was like a launch DS game. Yeah, right? yeah, the early DS time is a weird time. There were a lot of games where they're just like, uh, we're just gonna put in touchscreen mini games. Like this is our game. There was one that was what was that game? It was like a weird dating kind of oh, game. Feel I was, the, gonna, was it? Feel, feel the, magic. the magic. Feel the magic. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna bring that up. Yeah, and it was just sort of romantic mini games. You have to blow on... into the microphone to blow into your lover's ear. Yeah. Or like you have to like give them back rubs. It's it feels so creepy like well i'm not playing this on the bus yes i mean yeah some of the they they kind of like moved past that with later ds games but and sometimes it's really fun like um did you ever play hotel dusk no it was really cool you hold the ds like a novel and uh, uh it has some really clever functionality like sometimes you need to get something from one screen to the other so you close the ds and when you open it back up it's on the other side that's crazy it's really cool that's a great game the the, the most fun uh ds game i played that you know is sort of gimmicky like that was ghost trick i love ghost yeah. trick oh my god and every uh phoenix Wright game i love all of those yeah yeah the ds was pretty fun we'll do a ds podcast one of these days <laughs> There is somebody in town, apparently. This is a, a total aside. But this is relevant for I the was, eight I was, people in Bellingham who listen to our podcast. I know. I was talking to somebody at the uh, local game store. You were saying there's a, there's a lady in town here who owns every Nintendo DS game. Okay. Which would be a hell of a test. There's like 2,000 of those. Yeah, there's so many baby-raising simulators. So many <laughs> creepy-ass baby games. Yeah. Cooking so many... games, baby games. They got them all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so as for a direct sequel to this game, it was reportedly in the works, and it was slated for a 1999 release. It was just going to be called Super Mario 64 2. Uh, and the game would keep many of the same mechanics, but it was going to introduce a co-op multiplayer and mm. finally put Luigi in the game. Would have been wonderful. So like any footage you've seen of Luigi in this game is probably from early design sketches when they were thinking about including him in the first game, uh, and that never really got off the ground, but they designed him. So that's probably where that myth comes from, too. Uh, so the production on that game was canceled after the massive commercial failure of the 64DD, and uh, developers kind of refocused their ideas into what would eventually become Super Mario Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also a really weird rumored project called Super Mario 128. Do you remember this? I, I it rings a bell. Yeah, but... it was thought like when it was first it was announced in 2000, and they thought it was going to be like a late release N64 game. Uh, but then we never really saw much of it. All we saw was some. Uh, Really cryptic footage, like low-res footage from Space World 2000, where there's like a round planetoid level with hundreds of Mario figures walking Right, that's what I it. remember. I thought that the 128 referred to how many Marios were in the game. Right, and and I think that... Charles was... Martinet in Too Many Marios! <laughs> it's a me, Mario! No, I'm Mario! I'm Mario! I'm Mario. Uh, guys, reenact. we're being very offensive to Italian-Americans. Oh, great, it's Pedantica Mario. <laughs> Go away, Pedantica Mario. I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you think he's Do you think he's offensive? Uh, I think that like we've gotten away for a long time. I feel like the stereotyping of 
uh, white races is um, sort of been more acceptable for a yeah. long time, and we've sort of moved. We're kind of now realizing that hey, maybe that's not great, but it's been so ingrained in our culture it's, for so long. It's a weird. Like thing we've to gotten think away about. with Italians and Irish people. Yeah, uh, I mean Canadians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting thing to think about. I don't know. Uh, but it's hard. So, it's hard to get offended by content in Mario games. It is. It, it really so, is. It always feels so clean. And it's innocent. also hard to be like a white person being offended about anything because okay. it's like it's you know there. Yeah, and I'm not Italian either, so I can't really comment on that. Like I have no that cool leather jacket says otherwise. This even is though it's dim. denim. Yes. I realize that. Um, this is not a fashion podcast. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, Miyamoto was insisting that Mario 128 was still happening all the way up to 2007, but uh, then the president of Nintendo of America admitted that it was only ever a tech demo, and that the game had basically been chopped up into parts and put into other games. So, like, the the planetoid stuff was put into Super Mario Galaxy. Um, like, there was there were features that wound up in uh, Twilight Princess and... Uh, Pikmin, and and then there's a game on the Wii U called the Wonderful 101, mm-hmm. where you play as a team of 100 superheroes uh, that can 101 super 101 right? superheroes. Okay, few. I was and, uh, about to be very mad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can form yourself like as a crowd into these shapes to solve puzzles. And a lot of people think that that's what Mario 128 was gonna be, and then it just became. I'm, I'm cool glad game. that that didn't turn into something i would be very creeped out by an army of marios melding into like a giant arm it's a little creepy yeah it's a little creepy um yeah so okay let, let me let's think about like where does this one land for you in terms of mario games overall oh okay that's a um, tricky question but you know it has to be it has to be number one you for think? me oh wow um because it just, you know, I was a little young. I was too young for, like, the original Super Mario Brothers right. to, like, super hit me. And even Super Mario World had been out for a little bit before I started getting into games. So those sort of felt like they were cool games, but kind of, like, a step back from what was more current. Yeah. And that this was the game that I was right there for and just sort of had my mind blown by the content. Um so, yeah, I don't think that – I appreciate the sort of impact of those other games, but mm-hmm. um, this is the one that really mattered to me. And then um, number two is Super Mario Galaxy. Um, I really love wildly the super, underrated game. I, well, I love Super Mario Galaxy 1 and 2. I think those are the most fun Mario games. I think that the Mario games are sort of divided into two major – the 3D Mario games are divided mm-hmm. into two major categories – there's the ones where you sort of are more exploring based, um, which is like Odyssey or Sunshine, mm. um, which is sort of like puzzles of where the stars are. And then there's ones, the galaxy is just like, they tell you exactly where the star is. And it's just an exercise in like really precise, fast, well-designed platforming. And that's what I like in my Mario. I like lots of wall jumping and, you know, precarious jumps and bizarre moving platforms. Yeah. And I think Super Mario 64 has got a good balance of both of those. I agree with that. I agree. I I remember thinking like when I've played Galaxy for the first time that this is kind of the perfect culmination of everything Mario has been so far. Yeah. Like they kind of combine all these different disparate elements. But I I think I have to be with you. I think Mario 64 might be my number one in terms of games that I played the most. Like I think I've played this slightly more than Mario 3, um, Mm -hmm. which would be my second most played. Um, I mean, it's just, it's so packed with ingenuity and the secrets and it's it's so instantly fun to just pick up and it's such a joy it's it brings back such fond memories 
Like, I want to keep playing. After I don't know play, why this like, game is so magical. It just it's, is. It, yeah. yeah. That's and, the perfect word probably for it. Not, that's probably not true to everyone who didn't grow up with it, but the music, the welcoming. <laughs> I remember uh, I was so excited about trying to get an N64 that I wrote, like, a letter to my parents about <laughs> the reason why they should get me an N64. And one of my arguments was the section at the beginning where you adjust Mario's face would help inspire me to be creative. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was it? that and the NBA Jam uh, create a player feature. NBA <laughs> hang time. So, well, I mean, I got the N64 eventually. So, and now out. you're a famous plastic surgeon. Yeah, so, that's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever see someone on the street who don't look right, that's <laughs> you a know, Woody Siskowski original. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> whose no, whose mustache is jammed up into their nose. <laughs> their jaw has gone inside their head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can really make something horrible with that in the beginning. <laughs> And I mean, just little things like that, just the fact that they threw that in. There's lots of stuff to do in every level that has nothing to do with completing your objective. Mm -hmm. Like you can just run around, you can pound some stakes in the ground, you can climb trees and flip over them. There's just so much stuff to do just in the name of play and in the name of fun. And I think that's why it really clicks. And it, it, it felt like this really positive harbinger for the future. Like mm -hmm. this is what gaming is going to be. You are right to keep liking this. You're right to keep playing. Like it, and, it felt, and it, essentially that's true. It's what I would say. This is the game that basically marked what gaming is now. I mean, if you know, there's a very substantial difference between playing a 2D platform on the Super Nintendo mm -hmm. and playing, you know, um, something that just came out a few weeks ago on your PS4. But there's not that huge of a difference between playing Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Odyssey. No, or, no. Um, you know, one might be slightly more polished, but it's the same general feeling and it's the same thrills and excitement. So this game essentially, just as Super Mario Brothers for the NES set the precedent of what games would be for mm -hmm. the next 10 years or 15 years, no, 10. This game, Super Mario 64, set the precedent of what games were going to be for the next, what, still, 25 still. years at least? I mean, it's, it's still happening. Yeah. Like, I think I found a quote from like uh, Dan Hauser, the, the creator of the Grand Theft Auto series, and he said, uh, anybody who's developing a 3D game in this day and age and uh, isn't like paying debt to Mario 64 is lying to themselves. Like, and, like it, it's, it set the boundary for yeah. everything going forward. Like this is the way that 3D cameras are going to work from now on. This mm -hmm. is the way that the game can look and feel and play if and you really want it to. In some ways, it's so odd, and it definitely defined this system because it defined this whole genre, aside from just being a 3D game, defined this whole genre of like going into these disparate levels and collecting these sort of shiny golden pieces of garbage, mm. be they stars or jigsaw pieces or cow udders or bananas. Yeah. And it's... You know, it's in some ways it was kind of a rough on all the games that came after after this because this was the launch game. Like it knocked it out of the park, and it on was the first at bat. Yeah. yeah, it was. You know, maybe if like or something of the quality of Earthworm Jim 3D had come out <laughs> as the launch game, people were like, "Yeah, this game's okay." And then, but like Super Mario 64 is the first one that comes out, and now you know Earthworm Jim 3D seems like garbage oh, compared to that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, well, uh, I, as much as I hate to stop talking about this, I think we need to move on to our rankings here. Okay. We kind of expect. I, I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anyone uh, that each week we are ranking all of our games, uh, and as we play them, this will be our 103rd game on our 64th episode. And uh, I'm just going to pull that well, bandaid. It is my number one. Oh, well, I, we, yeah. okay. Well, it's yeah. my number one too. There we go. <laughs> one, two, three. Where is it for us? Number, number one. one. All right. Yeah. We'll do it at the same I mean, time. obviously, it's going to be number one. Like, I've I've heard. Uh, debate that my previous number one uh, Banjo-Kazooie was like 
a competitor for, for like, eh. like for, no. And I think the more we played that and the more we played other rare games, I'm just like, this one has simplicity on its side. It's direct, it's straightforward, and uh, anybody can play it. And uh, it doesn't slow down, it doesn't chug, there's no fog. Yeah, Mario nothing. 64, you don't have to hold the Z button and press left C yeah. to run up the hill with your bird thin legs. Yeah, yeah. Like, ban- Banjo-Kazooie is flashier, it looks great, uh, but it, it, it just, nothing can really match this level of intuitive play. Yeah. And uh, if I say intuitive one more time, I'm going to have to cut my own tongue off. <laughs> and but... I'm, you know, then my game that's under this is Tony Hawk 2, mm-hmm. which is, again, a super influential and, like, delightful game oh, fantastic that game. I would I would love to play, but you're just not going to match that sort of ground-shaking impact that no. this game has. There's so few... I mean, just as in films and as anything, there's so few things that come out that sort of change the whole landscape, and yeah. they deserve... In Banjo Kazooie is not one of those, and, and, and so. there, there are even some games that have changed the landscape. There's some games or movies or things like that that are like hugely influential and change the landscape, but you don't remember them mm, as fondly. That's you know? true. Or you go back and you see them, and you're like, "Well, I've seen all this stuff before, and it's sort of been done better." Right. You think of right. like this is a terrible example, but like the Jazz Singer, you know, the first mm-hmm. movie to have sound in it, huge influential thing, changed the landscape of film. Go back and look at that thing. It's a racist, boring pile of shit. You can't watch that movie at all. <laughs> and it's only sound like half the time anyway, so they can, they can suck it. The yeah, we, we just played Super Mario 64. We had a delightful time. I can't so. wait. I'm going to go back and play it some more. It's, yeah, you got to race that with more penguins, man. It's so much fun. It's such a delight. Oh, my God. Well, I'm so excited that we got to talk about this. We've been simmering on this episode for so long. Like, I don't think anything else could have better marked our 64th episode uh and uh i hope you all enjoyed listening to it too if i hope you enjoyed listening to it so much you go on apple podcasts and give us a rating and a review and then tell some people give us about 64 us. stars give us 64 stars find a way to hack that algorithm <laughs> i understand apples are very easy to hack anybody can do it you just put put in a knife pull out that core just that's get all it. it takes just get it yeah <laughs> my, my brother-in-law his party trick is he can rip an apple in half with his bare hands uh, which is very impressive. I was able to do it one time, and I, I've never done it since. But, the key uh, is to use trick apples. It's used. Oh, you see, make them out of cardboard. Yeah, or he comes in. He sta- he pre stabs his apples. Yeah, exactly. like, I bet that's. I bet that's what happens. Yeah. Well, we have an exciting episode coming up next, right? Oh, man, we do. We, the hits keep on coming. It's uh, the the. Second most beloved game yeah. on the N64. Uh, no, that's not true. We're, what we're going to be playing is a brand new game for the Nintendo 64. Uh, we are going to be playing 40 Winks. Uh, for people who have been following that, it was a, uh, a game for the N64 that was canceled. It was completed but canceled back in the day. And this last year, uh, there was a very successful Kickstarter to get it remade and released on the N64. And we finally got our copies. About and, a, two two weeks ago, three yeah. weeks ago. So, And we're, we're getting ready to uh, give that a shot. We've, we've recorded a little bit of video that you'll be able to see on our YouTube channel once you we can, set that up. Yeah, you can get all the hype of what Steve's fancy gaming setup looks like. It's pretty fancy. There's a little yellow man on it. <laughs> you also get to see my dogs like disappear from the video. It's going to be fun. <laughs> that, that's what that creepy transition is. It's, <laughs> I'm sitting, we're sitting next to the dogs, and then there's a fade, and the dogs are gone. We did not murder the dogs. No. They not ghost dogs. They just no. started misbehaving. They are not Forrest Whitaker in the Jim Jarmusch classic <laughs> ghost dog way of the samurai. Yes. 
Although everybody should see that movie. It's totally weird. I've never seen it. Oh, it's great. You'd love it. Oh, man, oh, you'd man. love Ghost I, Dog. I have not yet seen a Jim Jarmusch movie that I enjoyed, so we will see how Ghost that goes. Ghost Dog might be the one. Okay. Ghost Dog might be the one. Um, anyway, tune in next week for Ghost Dog. Uh, we're going to be playing Wait, that no, game. 40 Winks. We're playing 40 oh, Winks. we're playing 40 Winks. Yes, we're playing 40 Winks, everybody. Tune in for that next week. It has been a delight talking about this game with you. Uh, here we go. Race some penguins down the hill. Woo!